Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. This is the Irish Champions Weekend preview and I am your host George Ellick and I'm joined today by two expert guests. As ever we have Odds Checker's very own tipster Andy Holding here but coming over to us from the from the over the Irish Sea to our man on the ground over there Tony Keenan here as well to talk us through the racing. We're going to rattle through Saturday's card well in the knowledge that a few people here will be watching or listening to this after it's already taken place. So we'll be doing that a whistle stop tour through the the group racing on Saturday and then really get stuck into the stuff on Sunday as well. So if you are tuning into this on uh, on Sunday or on Saturday evening then you can probably skip through those first few races and find out a way to do so. But Tony, I'm going to come to you first quickly before we get into the race. We've got loads to get through, so we're not going to spend too long on this. Not too much uh, small talk between the three of us. But, you know, you are uh, over there. I know you're not particularly local to either Leopardstown or, or the Curra, but what are we expecting in terms of, of the weather? Is there any rain forecast? Should we be taking any of that into account uh, when looking for our selections ahead of the two days racing? Yeah, well, usually for a meeting like this, George, I'd be looking to bet uh, maybe midweek anti-post, but I've done absolutely, not, absolutely nothing this week because um, the, the the weather was so really unpredictable. They were predicting anywhere between 10 and 25 mils, but I'd say about seven or eight of that has materialised and, and the ground is kind of set as it is now at the moment. There doesn't seem to be any rain forecast. So we're basically looking at traditional, I know it's not summer, but it is going to be summer, fast, good, good to firm ground at both tracks. So yeah, it's probably the form from the summer is going to carry through. Always good. Makes it a bit easier uh, when that's the case. Although maybe not as much, uh, not as many ricks for us to get tuck, tucked into this uh, at this stage. Or as you say earlier in the week, uh, we're going to get into the racing now. And as I say, we're going to go through um, the group racing on both days very quickly through Leopardstown. So we'll be starting uh, with the the Group Two, the One Ten, and then through to the Paddy Power Stakes. Uh, and in that One Ten now, uh, the KPMG Champions Juvenile. We have Maritime Wings, the 5-2 to two favourite. I should say before I get into the racing, as I normally do, I think it's the first time I've forgotten about three years. Before we get into the racing, do download the Odds Checker app because we're going to be talking in terms of the best prices here. You're going to get the best offers, the best place terms, free bets and everything else on there as well. So do download the app. It's also the place where you can find Andy's tips before anywhere else, 9am on the morning of the racing, straight up onto the app. So have to tick that one off before we get in there. Managed to just about remember and save my skin with the, with the bosses. But as I say, into now the one ten, the first race we're going to be covering at Leopardstown on Saturday. And Maritime Wings is the five to two favourite ahead of Absolute Ruler nine to two. Once Upon a River and Buckaroo eight to one alongside Atomic Jones, the same price. Stone Age a bit of money this morning, ten to one, uh, fourteen to one bar. Now, guys, because we've got about nine races to get through, and we don't want to stay here for a few hours. No harm in saying no, no fancies for these races tomorrow. But Andy, coming to you first, how do you see this one unfolding? Um, yeah, I didn't think it was a particularly strong race. Um, having looked at it in some depth, uh, Maritime Wings, I think Tony will probably agree, set, sets the standard. He's chased down Point Lonsdale uh, twice in the backside of Aidan O'Brien's charge twice. Um, he's been readily brushed aside by what is obviously a very good colt. Um, the one thing you, you couldn't fault him with is his tenacious attitude. He's, he's run hard all the way to the line. He's just been outpointed uh, fair and square I think he'll stay the trip no problem um, and and obviously you know you've got to respect a horse f- you know from a, from a stable in really good order I think he lacks a little bit of brilliance and it wouldn't surprise me if there's something in here that maybe just might be able to improve beyond him because I think he's a, a fairly tightish price certainly based on his time figures 
Um, I'm quite surprised in some respects that Joe Lyons, or more predominantly uh, Colin Keane, has chosen to ride Atomic Jones, who uh, was well fancied on debut and did well to defy Stall 10, which is not easy to do on the round track when you're stuck out on the wing. But it was a little bit of a wild finish. The time wasn't very good. They finished in a heap. And my overriding impression of that maiden at the Cora was that he was just okay. Um, obviously, I think he's the type to improve and he's gone and bagged a good draw in store one. So you've got to respect Atomic Jones. But I do think Gerlines has got a very strong runner here in the shape of Once Upon a River, who's had the benefit of two runs. He was third on debut and promising that. And then he went to uh, Ross Common um, the other day. Well, so the other day, 74 days ago, it's a little while now. Um, <laughs> But he clocked a very fast time. And just looking at my numbers, he comes out top based on that run. So I wish I could show Colin Keane the time figures that we've got because there's no way he'd be choosing Atomic Jones if he, if he, uh, if he believed in, in time figures. Um, and he, he looks, a, 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 like I say, a type that I think will improve. He's got a lovely long stride on him. He's quite flashy. He's got a good cruising speed. Um, so, yeah, I think um, joe has got a very strong hand here. And, Maybe Gary Carroll could be the beneficiary of uh, of um, Colin Keane riding what supposedly is the stable number one in, in Atomic Giant. So I'd, at the prices, I'd be going Once Upon a River. Once Upon a River, pretty much eight to one across the board as it stands at the moment. Tony, how are you seeing it? Okay, George, so this is kind of my strongest race of the weekend, probably uh, yeah. definitely tomorrow anyway. So I, I will probably say a little bit about this when I've cut the other ones a bit shorter. I think the goal we made in form here of Buckaroo and Stone Age is well overpriced. Um, I'd be quite keen to take on Maritime Wings. Uh, as Andy said there, he, he's only OK on the clock. Um, and I also think he, he's got a little bit of a suspect attitude. I thought he, he, he travelled much better than points Lonsdale the last day and started hanging behind him when, when the going got tough. Now, I know Point Lonsdale is potentially a top-class horse, but I just think there's something going to improve past Maritime Wings here. So um, Buckaroo would be the main one, but I wouldn't put anyone off having a few quid on Stone Age either. Buckaroo's had two runs at, um, to me, tracks that wouldn't suit him at all. Killarney and Galway, he, he's a big galloping type of horse, and those type tracks really wouldn't suit. The bend didn't really suit him in Killarney, where he's a massive eye catcher. Behind two horses that haven't run since, but both of those are apparently very well regarded. I'd say his closing split on there was excellent. And then at Galway, he's actually done some really fast closing splits. I think he's done the fastest last two forums on the whole card. And it wasn't a, a dawdle of a race. It was just himself and Stone Age pulling clear of a horse with them at Wells that has run quite well since. Like the, I think they, won, they went clear of the by seven lengths. It was all coming inside the last four and a half. Um, he, there were other good races on the card that day. Like There was a decent mile maiden. There was a, a premier mile and a half handicap. Like For a two-year-old who's essentially going to be a derby horse in time to be doing the fastest last two furlongs to me is hugely impressive. Um, and I think he's going to get in here, go into this more galloping track, um, and I think he should be a hell of a lot shorter. And I, that said, I would respect the second Stone Age. I respect the fact that Aidan O'Brien is deciding he's going to have another go, um, and double figures about him is fine as well. But that, that would be my way into it here. I, I get 100% what Andy's saying. There's an awful lot of these that are maybe coming off the one win that, that haven't really clocked any great times. Like uh, Atomic Jones's race was, was a little bit of a walk, and uh, a very messy race. Uh, Point Gillibrand really should have won that. Um, and nothing has really come out of that. But yeah, I'd be very happy back in Buckaroo at the current price and probably Shorter and a small save on Stone Age. Yeah, Buckaroo also 8-1 to one pretty much across the board. And Stone Age, bit of money, as I said earlier, 10-1 to one best price as it stands. That's with Paddy's Betfair Sportsbook and Bet Victor. So four there, <clears throat> really against the top two in the market. Well, I guess once upon a river, Buckaroo and Stone Age, the three with a bit of respect for Atomic Jones as well. 
between um, the two experts here. So now on to the 140, the matron stakes, uh, the Phillies and Mares group one and Mother Earth is the six to four favourites ahead of Pearls Galore at 15 to two. Uh, Akinella 10 to one, opponent plays 11 to one, Champers Elise 12 to one alongside Pretty Gorgeous and Shale uh, 14 to one bar, 13 runners at Stan's Tony. I'll stick with you here. Um, how do you see this one going? Mother Earth, the six to four favourite, but sure to be popular with, with plenty. Yeah, she's a very deserving favourite. Um, a lot of these races have won by different horses this year. That you know, it's been a very open division, the 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 Philly and Mayor's uh, male division. But she's won twice, and the other couple three races she's run, she's been the first three. Um, she has the best form. It's actually her best form is probably in defeat. Um, the run at Newmarket in the Falmouth with ten in with alcohol free mm. and snow lamp and that form obviously worked out in the Sussex. So six, she, she's probably a pretty decent six to four shot. Um, there's a lot of numbers in this, but there's a lot of you know listed group three fillies. The one I think that might have a little bit of scope to improve to give her a race would be Pearls Galore. Um, she has only really won run one bad race since arriving in Ireland at the back end in Dundalk last year uh, off a break. Maybe it was surface that didn't suit her, but bar that, it's been excellent. She gives Champers release a bit of a race in Goran last year when she was only a, 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 an experienced horse. This season she's kicked on. Look, I, I wouldn't back her each way because I think there's just a possibility she's a seven four on Philly and she can travel into it and then will empty out into fifth. Um, I think she is a little bit all or nothing at this trip, but I, I'm probably going to going to bet her. Um, but I have massive respect for, for Mother Earth and to be honest, not a lot of respect for a lot of the rest of them who I, I just don't think are up to this uh, grade. So respect there for Pearls Galore, the likely challenger for Mother Earth. Do you agree, Andy? Yeah, it's it's hard to say anything um, negative about Mother Earth, isn't it? Uh, all her performances this season at Group 1 level have been of a very high standard. And she is you know, a genuine Group 1 filly, whereas uh, Tony's already pointed out a lot of these are listed in Group 3. And that gulf between that kind of standard usually um, pans out in these kind of races. She's also got a very good draw as well. As we know, Leopardstown, short, straight. It's a track where you need to be on the bunny, on the speed throughout. It's very difficult to come from the back, particularly in these races, um, where, let's face it, if you're a Group 3 listed horse, you're running down a Group 1 horse who's already got an advantage <laughs> on, you know, track-wise, track position-wise. Um, if I was to what, nominate one like, like Tony has, as an alternative to the favourite, it, it might well be pretty gorgeous. Who's had a bit of a poor season, considering she was one of the best juveniles last year. But I've gone back and watched all her runs and looking at her profile, I, I think there's been one or two slight mitigating circumstances. The ground first time up was heavy when when she was behind Empress Josephine. Um, again, the ground was bottomless in the coronation when you know she wasn't beaten that far and she was favourite that day. Don't forget, she was sent a favourite the coronation stakes. Mm. Um, the ground again, but probably been the other way around for her, really firm um, at um, Newmarket. And again, she didn't get beat too far by Mother Earth and a whole host of decent fillies that day in a genuine group one. And if you go back and watch her run last time out at Tipperary, I know um, Tony fancies Pearls Galore, but she got absolutely no run whatsoever around a very tight track. There was, there was a big field, I think it was 15 odd runners. And, and, she was trying to get through, bustle her way out, muscle her way out, and she couldn't get a clear run. Once she did, it was only in the last 100 yards. She's literally like took off and hit the line really strong. So I think she's coming back to something like her best. And you've got to look at her career path this time this time around. Don't forget last year when she was a good juvenile. She started a, a season in July uh, and worked her way through into the autumn period. And her form maintained uh, you know, it, it, all the way through to, to the back end of the season. So she might well just be an autumn filly. And... 
you know, she might just come 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 to hand at this time of year. That that's my theory anyway. Uh, but what I saw over the last time um, at Tipperary, she's not a million because she's not a million miles away from coming back to something, um, um, you know, in and around her best. And I think something of her best might well be good enough for her to hit the first three here. Whether she's good enough to turn around and form with Mother Earth, I couldn't be sure. But at the prices, what we're looking at, ten, twelve to one. Twelve to one, yeah. Twelve to one, yeah. That, that's not a bad price for a, for a high class filler who is surely better than what we've seen so far. Yeah, not the only one thinking that. Andy, a sea of blue at the moment on odds checker, as short as nine to one at the moment with William Hill. But that twelve to one is available with Bet Victor, Bet Fred, Boyle Sports, uh, and Paramatch, a new addition to the odds checker grids. Um, on then to the. Uh, third race we're covering on the Saturday it is the Boomerang Mile the Clipper Logistics Boomerang Mile and uh, Max Winnie is the 9-2 joint favourite alongside Maker of Kings Njord is 15-2 Thunder Moon 8-1 uh, Rev Rover 11-1 12-1 Real Appeal with um, Snapperetera and then 14-1 Bar uh, 14 run here Andy a couple of firms already going four places looks a pretty open race how do you see it going yeah, I mean, look, I think Maker of Kings is the, is the obvious starting point just because he, he's he got a, an amazing body of work at this track. Uh, I think Tony would have seen this horse run quite a few times here at, at Leopardstown. He's, he, he's probably about as reliable as, you, as a Swiss clock here, isn't he? He turns up every single time, um, leaves it out on the track. His time figures are always very, very healthy. He's actually top of our figures um, based on that run beyond Japan. Um a mile suits him really well and, and you know he's got a reasonable draw and still seven right in the middle of the pack so I think if you're looking for a right one we're going to back in this race am I, if you're an each way punter sort of nine to two you're more than likely based on his overall profile he's going to give you a run and get your money back um, and he might just go and pop his bib in front um, that said I, d- I do think there's another one in this race that's slightly overpriced I don't like Max Winnie's chances based on I think mile on quick ground I think he's going to find him out. He obviously won the Irish uh, uh, Guineas, but, but it was heavy and it very much played to his mm. strengths. But he's always looked a mile and a quarter, mile and a half or so, and then that's that's probably a fair assessment of him. Um, and, and Jim Bald has gone through a wretched run since he was really hitting it out of the park in the middle of summer. His stats are not from 26 in the last fortnight, and he's gone 27 runners and 15 days without a winner, which similar to Johnny Murtaugh, I'll get on to him later on because he's got a fancy horse. He's, he's looking a little bit alarming. So I actually think Gerlard's other horse here, Georgeville, will go really well. Now, he's not a particularly sexy type in compared to some of these horses who've been running in Group 1s and Group 2s, but he did run ex- exceptionally well here last time out um, behind Create Belief, Johnny Murtaugh's star filly. Um, it wasn't running a massively true gallop, but just, a, just an even gallop, and he was last turning in. So him to finish second, um, given the way the race panned out, was a, was a really good effort. Um, certainly suggested to me that he's he's improving since he's now gone to Jer. Uh, he was a bit unlucky the time before in the Nazarilla handicap behind uh, Masala when he went went for a run up the rail and didn't get a clear run. So his last two runs at Leopardstown have been pretty eye catching to say the least. And he's available back at twenty to one. And I don't think there's a great deal between a lot of this bunch. And there's one or two here that are disappointing: Fevro with Thunder Moon, Khartoum, Erzajan. Not totally convinced that Real Appeal will get the trip. So I think the scope for backing something beyond the obvious here. And and, and um, he'd appeal to me. Um, George Villa has been a one that could easily outrun his odds. Great name. I'm afraid that 20 to 1, though, and his ancient history, 16 to 1 best price at the that's moment. That's still not bad. Um, yeah, that's still, that's still fair enough. 
Tap it, take it. The best. You're going to get 16 to 1, four places with Boyle Sports as it stands at the moment, uh, as short as 12 to 1 elsewhere. Uh, do you agree with that, Tony? Uh, I'd, I'd agree that McSwinney's is definitely worth what, what taking on anyway. Yeah, mm. on, on just this is very straightforward on, on the ground, um, and like that. And there's another horse there, Snapper Terry, who's been great for him on soft ground. But I presume this is going to find him out a little bit. Thunder Moon is another that's been fiercely disappointing. Um, I don't know whether he was trying to hang into um, Ken Condon's horse, Laws of Indices, or trying to bite him in Doville a couple of starts back, and then he's flopped completely the last time. I would agree with Andy that Maker Kings is very solid, and the other one I'd throw into the mix is um, Njord. I know he hasn't won this season, but I think he's in a much better form than maybe his figures suggest. I think the Galway Mile was just a race that was run at such a crazy gallop, and he wasn't too far off. It's very difficult to win a big handicap of 110. I think his three runs sort of in and around that, the run behind Kinross at Haydock was an excellent effort. That form really worked out. Then he's come off a break and run well behind all of Australia. He's in the frame in you know, two or three group, group one mile races since. And then again at Newbury last day behind Sacred. So I, I, I have it, but the two that I like were Njord and Maker Kings. And just because of a little bit of difference in the price, I'm, I'm going to go with Njord. Njord 15 to 2, 365 and Hills, both four places as well. There as you 13 to 2 elsewhere. And Maker Kings getting a double nod from, from the two guys, uh, 9 to 2 pretty much across the board. As I say, four places. So as Andy mentioned, back uh, Master of Kings each way and he hits the frame with those four places you're only going to do in just a little bit of money and then if he gets his nose in front then you've got a nice little winner um, there too. Uh, on then to the Irish Champion Stakes, the big race of Saturday uh, we've got four runners and St Mark's Basilica is currently 5-4 to four best price, uh, that is with Boyle Sports uh, Tarnawa is 9-4, to four. Uh, Poetic Flair 100-30 Patrick Sarsfield 33-1 to one. And Andy, this might be only a forerunner group one, but no shortage of quality. No, it's a cracker, isn't it? Uh, you know, the fact that Patrick Sarsfield, a, a genuine top class horse in his own right, is the outside at 33 to 1 here, tells you what we need to know about the other three. Um, as I said before, Jim Bowles is also been struggling at the moment, doesn't mean to say that they, you know, that none of his can, can win, they can easy bounce back. As soon as you say he uh, got out of form, they have a mm. uh, habit of biting in the backside with, with stats such as that. So, um, I'll certainly be looking to see how Jim's horses run previously on the card to, just to give me some weight behind that argument. Um, but as it stands, you know, looking at Poetic Flair, you know, he's had a fairly hard season and um, allied to the fact that Jim's horses are just going through a quiet patch by his standards, it's enough to put me off and just lean towards the other two. I'd, I'd, I'd favour Tarnawa here um, based on the fact that she's had two spins around Leopardstown. I know it's a, just a little slight... Um, Slight advantage I'm looking at here. Um, Sir Mods Basilica, brilliant as though he is. Up to now, he's gone on a straight track and right-handed. He's yet to run left-handed. He's yet to run at Leopardstown. Like I said, they're just little idiosyncrasies. Idiosyncrasies. Idiosyncrasies, even. Um, <laughs> that sometimes you, you kind of you tend to overlook and not, not pay any attention to. And I think they're definitely worth uh, highlighting uh, in a race like this where small margins, I think, might make the difference. But I really liked her on her debut this season. She um, she come back and looks a real class filly. Um, her time figures from that season are, are exceptionally good, including the one when she won here. Uh, all roads lead to the arc, and this looks a really good stepping stone towards that. Um, and even though mile and a half, I think it's probably her best trip. She's got plenty of pace for a mile and a quarter. She, she's got a good cruise speed. So I'd probably take the filly to beat the um, the two three or Colts here. 
Taking the Philly there, Tarnawa nine to four, um, best price that is with Bet three six five. Do you do you agree, Tony? That that's the value in this four runner race. Yeah, broadly I would agree. I, I think the bookies are missing a trick here. I, th- I think they need to have a little market up, but what horse is leading after a furlong? Because that's the most interesting thing in this race is is going to be the pace. That that's mm. what everyone's t- talking about. Like Aidan O'Brien has kind of saying posted this from ten days out that he was only going to run St Mark's Basilica. We want a bit of a sprint for our horse. The rest of you can kind of you know lump it really. Um, and while he had numerous horses entered in the race, he, he's you know just stuck with him. So like, to me, the horse that probably isn't going to be suited to be the slow pace is the male or poetic flair, because I, I think that a slow pace just gets him very keen. He, he over tends to over race uh, and he, he, not event, he may not have entered left. Um, I think you'll know pretty early in the race where you are with him. So uh, is Kevin Manning going to go forward in him? Maybe he will. I would like to see Colin Keane just, just grasp the nettle here. I know Tarnow has been held up in all her recent races, but just, just kick on and, and, and send her on and don't set it up for St. Mark's Basilica. I think her form is more solid than the other two. Um, Poetic Flair was brilliant at Rye Alaska, but we haven't really seen that since. I know he ran um, Palace Pier close to last day, but Palace Pier wasn't fit to my mind, um, according to the trainer. St. Mark's Basilica, French wins were, were fine. Um, Sandin looks brilliant if you take it at face value, but I don't think either Adib or Mishriff were really aimed at that race. Um, you've seen a different Mishriff since. Uh, but Tanara's form last year looks looks very, very solid. Beating Alpine Star in France when she didn't get the run of the race, Alpine Star was coming that, into that race, tying in with Palace, a peak Palace Pier, and then beating Magical um, at the Breeders' Cup. Magical was just off the back of winning this race. So I, I, it wouldn't be a strong opinion because I think there is a there's a strong possibility just this just develops into a, a two four long sprint and I think St Mark's Basilic is best equipped for that. But at the prices, I'd, I'd take a chance that Tanawa maybe will go up and make it a little bit of a test. Um, and I think I do think she's just got marginally the best form. Tanawa there, yeah, nine to four, getting the double thumbs up from Tony and from Andy. Nine to four, that is with Bet365, as short as 13 to eight in places as well. So that nine to four may not last too long. So do try and snap it up if you're quick and it's still there, time, the, the time that you're listening. Uh, quickly, we'll just cover the, the group three, the Paddy Power Stakes, uh, the 315 at Leopardstown on Saturday before we move on to the Curragh. Uh, for the Sunday of Irish Champions Weekend. And Earlswood is the 9-4 to favourite. Innis Free, 3-1. to Salamarak is 5-1. to Thunderkiss, 8-1. to uh, Forbearance, 10-1. to Leo de Fury, 12-1. to 20-1 to bar. Nine runners. Tony, come to you first here. Yeah, again, not a massively strong opinion. I would be against Innis Free. Um, I, I know a lot of people saying it was an eye-catching effort in the corner, but it was a really slow pace. I thought his head was in the air a little bit, a bit, little bit like a horse feeling it. Like he has been a horse that's been off for a full season and half of this season as well. So I, I'd wonder, is there, is there some underlying issue with him? I, I would like to take him on. Um, I accept what Andy's saying about, about the stable form of Johnny Mortis. He's the second person to say that to me this morning, how are Johnny Mortis going? The only thing I would say about that is he had a couple of horses run really well at Cork there during the week that were coming out of the barrier trials um, in Maidens. To me, they ran, ran perfectly well. And to me, also, this meeting is the big game. The racing over the last fortnight has been very moderate. And I think he's keeping a lot of his best horses back for this. And Earlswood is um, one of those that he did it really nicely um, the last dip. Looking back at the Irish, his Irish Derby run, like he was in a similar position to the horse's favour for the ledger, Hurricane Lane. And it was quite difficult to come from off the pace there. It was a fair run out of Hurricane Lane through that. I think Elge would, well, I'm not saying he would, would have won, but I, didn't say that. I think he would have been a clear toward if, he, if he'd got a, a clear passage up the lane. That would have been a fair effort. 
So, yeah, I think he's pretty solid. I, I wouldn't be shouting about him at the price. The one horse I think this worth also mentioned there is Thunder Kiss. I have a feeling she didn't run her race down in Cork. I think we'll be talking about this later because, you know, the favourite of one of the short price horses for the Blanford mm. on Sunday, um, Le Petit Coco ties in with her. I think she might be overrated off the back of that. It might be a better effort than Thunder Kiss here um, than what she showed in Cork. Might be a better effort there, but Earlswood getting getting a nod. Thunder kiss eight to one across the board. Earlswood, as I say, the nine to four favourite. Uh, Andy, I think the most intriguing run in this race, uh, without a shadow of doubt, from from my perspective anyway, is Salamrock. Um, he's he's made a bit of a fool of me so far this season. Um, having <laughs> me flagged him up as a Derby horse when he won at Leopardstown on the day that Bolshoe Bally won, and I, I was getting really quite excited about his Derby prospects because um, I think it's been well documented that Salamrock's back end work was much better than Bolshoi Ballet and it was one of those things I think well either Bolshoi Ballet is not a derby horse or Salamrock is miles better than what Aidan O'Brien thinks uh, as it panned out in the derby itself obviously Bolshoi Ballet kind of like semi-backed up that view um, and Salamrock um, ran a Herculean race at Ascot he had you know he had top weight in the King George handicap he had to circumnavigate the field. He was running everything down at the finish. Look, he was just the best horse in the race. And then they, one say as an afterthought, they thought, well, there's one group, one derby left. We'll, we'll run him in, in, in the, um, the, uh, oh, the the French version. And of course, mm. the ground went soft, heavy in places or whatever it was. And for a horse who's got a daisy-cutting action, he, he, he just didn't handle it. And, and he ended up finishing last. It was a bit of a... Um, a bit of a waste of, waste of a bullet. Um, he's had a break since. And interestingly, he's now gone to Joseph O'Brien. Um, not sure how much he's going to improve from Aidan O'Brien to Joseph O'Brien, but just maybe the change of scenery just might have, um, you know, sparked some kind of um, different incentive in the horse. Who knows? We, we just don't know. But I can't get that out of my head that day when he won here um, at Leopardstown back in May. I think it was back in May. He was so good on the iron. And, and he, he's, like I say, his back in sectionals were frightening. He's got an amazing, amazing turn of foot. He's just, got, he's, he's just a horse of very high quality. Um, and he's one of the only few course winners in the tr- in, in the lineup, which is what I like. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd just prefer him at the prices. As I said with the Earlswood thing, at seven to four, I'd let him win with the Johnny Mercer horses until they prove me otherwise, running better than what they have been. I'm not prepared to take a chance at seven to four, and, and he's never won over a mile and a half, even though he looks as though he, he should get it standing on his head. And his Irish Derby run wasn't too bad. Uh, but yeah, Salamrock for me was it five five to one. Five to one, three six five. I mean, no one's asking you to take seven to four about about Ellswood. That's shorter than anywhere, Andy. Nine to four, best price. Sorry, it's not. Yeah, I was, just, I, was, I, was looking at the, I was looking at the the graph I've got on the side of me here. I don't yeah, want to yeah. Look at yeah. Um, yeah. I, look, I'm, I'm, he's a, he's a bit of he's going to become a little bit of a cliff horse, I think, for me with Salamrock. But I'll give you one more go. I, I think um, this is the time to catch him. First run for New York, back to Leopardstown, back on good ground. Let's uh, let's see the uh, the real Salamrock. Hopefully. All right, Andy, I'll, I'll hold your hand again as we jump off the Salamarok yeah. uh, cliff. Uh, we go again. Might be the last time. Um, that is the end of our of our Saturday Leopardstown preview. So if, if you are listening to this on Saturday evening or Sunday morning, you can stop scrubbing now and you can press play because this is time for, for the Sunday at the Curra. Uh, we'll be previewing now. We're recording this at about half past 12 on Friday. So 48-hour decks are in. 
markets have just about reformed. Um, as is always the case, we try and get this out as soon as possible after final decks. And that can mean that the markets are pretty volatile. So apologies if some of these prices are, are, are gone by the time you're listening. But fingers crossed, the insight that the guys provide is still valuable. Um, we are going to go through the group races again. So we're going to start with the Blanford Stakes. Um, Tony, I have a feeling you've got something to say there. So we'll come to you first in a second. Uh, then into the Flying Five. Uh, and then the Moy Glare Stakes, followed by um, the Vincent O'Brien National Stakes, then into the Irish St. Ledger. And that is where the preview will finish. So um, starting with the Blanford here, we've got Love is the te- 11 to 10 favourite, head of Thundering Knights at 3 to 1. Uh, Le Petit Coco is 4 to 1. Uh, Cayenne Pepper, 7 to 1. And then 25 to 1 bar. Now the puncher in me looking at this, when you got 4 and then 25 to 1 bar and a 9 runner race. What am I backing each way, Tony? Uh, number two, Tundring Knights, I would say. I'd be <laughs> quite happy with that. Um, yeah. God, I don't think anyone was in, in Ballydoyle was was sitting back in uh, January and February and thinking they were going to be running love in a Blandford Stakes anyway. Mm. Like, this is a this is really a a bad sign of our season um, to my mind. I, I just don't like the way she's going in her races the last twice. Um, she was brilliant last season, but I think we were always open to the possibility last season that she was beating some really moderate fillies in the likes of Ennis Diamond and, and uh, these type of horses. And I think that has proven to be the case this year. As a two-year-old, I got her wrong basically every start as a two-year-old because I had in my head that she was a little bit, um, had a little bit of temperament and head carriage and things like that. And I think that started to creep back into her, her races in the King George. She, she was cocking the jaw a little bit and looking to hang to the rail. It's the same in York the last day. And also starting to look a little bit slow. I think if Benton, she's a mile and a half filly at this stage. I would be very keen to take her on. Um, I've kind of given Le Petit Coco a bit of a knock there as well in the previous thing. I, I just don't think that... Um, I don't think that Geraldine's filly ran to form there. And I also think with Le Petit Coco, she's improved for going up and trip um, on soft ground. I think the race that's really going to be suitable for her is the British Champions Day filly and mare turf on soft ground would be her job. So I, I'm left with Tundra Knights, who is a much improved filly, who is excellent at the Cora around uh, nine and ten furlongs. Uh, beat Santa Barbara here. Two starts back. That form worked out well. Santa Barbara's gone on to America. I think the section will show that they were, you know, well better than the Tord horse and that. She's just if Tundra Knights was only second to Cayenne Pepper in this race last year, she's just a much better filly than her this time around. French run the last day was you could argue maybe a little bit disappointing, but I think the intention was to give her a break after the Cora because she had been to America and run back quite quickly. And I think she's going to finish out the season well. And I'd be very happy with her now at uh, three to one. Three to one, Thundering Knights, Paddy's Hills, Betfair Sportsbook, Novi Bet. They're all going three to one uh, for Thundering Knights. Negatives there for the favourite love and for the Petite Coco. And as I say, nine runners, 25 to one bar the four. Um, yeah, I mean, I know backing each way shots at three to one might not be everyone's cup of tea but I, this time I, I would I would make an exception if I were you uh, Andy how are you seeing this yeah I'd be quite um keen on on laying love at that price in and around the 11 to 10 and even when we mark um I think you've got two fillies um strong fillies running for you one that we don't really know what the ceiling uh, of her improvements is uh, in the shape of petite coco and we've got a solid C and D winner who loves the current um in, in the shape of Thundering um, Knights, as Tony's already alluded to. I'm, I'm a big fan of Thundering Knights, always have been. She's she's made me a few quid over the last year or two, um, based on her time figures. And and she's very much punched above her weight on more than one or two occasions here at this track. 
I actually was a little bit disappointed with her last time out. Uh, you know, she was. I thought she had every chance from from over two out. And she just didn't show that stamina, brilliance, tenacity that she normally does. I mean, she's run well. I mean, look, she's third in a you know group one for crying out loud. I mean, it, it wasn't a a disaster by any stretch of the imagination, but um, I, I I thought she might win the the, the last time. Um, and it, like I say, just probably not for one reason, right on the money. But look, back to the chorus, she's likely to bring her A game back to the table. But I probably would go the other way with La Petite Coco. I think four to one's not a bad price for her. They can ride a bit pretty much every way they want because she's she's gone and bowled, uh, bagged pole position, as it were, on, on the round track at the Curra. Mm. Um, Still one is worth its weight in goal to hug that inside rail and to save ground and to get yourself into the home straight round the inside. Not having to go round horses is... is you know, worth a couple of lengths, and I think with fine margins uh, in in a race like this, that could make the difference. Her number last time out at, at um, court was very, very good. Um, so, it, it, one or two might not have turned up, as Tony alluded to. I certainly take that on board. But the the, the the numbers, the sectionals, everything about that race suggested she's a filly going places. Um, so yeah, at four to one, I'd probably go with her each way because that that's. Probably not quite so criminal as, as going the three to one each way. <laughs> and you don't pretend you're any better than me. Um, yeah. I'm, only tra- I'm only slightly trying to justify yeah. <laughs> by chipping something a point bigger. Just chuck them all in each way, doubles everything else in the day, and you'll be fine. Uh, the Petite Coco, four to one. Um, that is standout price at the moment with William Hill, 100 to 30 and three to one elsewhere. Um, so that four to one may not last too long, but they are Hills are shortest on love. They go even money. Uh, about love uh, on then to the second race the flying five uh, where winter power is the nine to four favorite ahead of glass slippers at three to one i mean this is another absolute each way dream um you've got glass slippers three to one dragon symbol seven or two and then 11 to one the rest 11 to one muniesta uh, gustavus western 14s rohan 14s romantic proposal 18s so andy what am i putting my each way double with <laughs> Uh, yeah, hopefully, okay. yeah, hopefully I've got one for you here, and and who knows on 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 Sunday one or two bookmakers might might be generous and, and offer four places. Um, look, there's going to be a ton of pace, and they're always using five furlong sprints anyway. But with winter power in the race, as we saw at York, um, yeah. there's going to be no quarter asked or given. But the only thing I would say with winter power, she's very much proven at York, uh, flat flat track where she can get away from horses really does suit. And the only time she's been slightly disappointing is is a stiffer track like Ascot, for instance, when when she's taken on. Uh, you know, and softened up a little bit with all the horses around. It's probably not so easy to get away and have that uncontested lead uh, that she had uh, was afforded on the Naismire. And you know, you've got the likes of Strong Johnson, uh, Dragon Symbol, significantly uh, frenetic, um, to name but a few that are all going to be chipping away. So I think there could be a pace meltdown here. And you want something that's got the cruising speed just to hold its position in behind, but then stays really well. And, and there's one horse here that just absolutely jumps off the base to me, and that's Moonister. Um, mm. big, big fan of Jack Davidson's uh, uh, filly. Um, I think he's handled her incredibly well. She's kind of flew under the radar a little bit, um, to be perfectly honest. And she caught everyone unawares last time when she beat Gustavus Weston, but the numbers were incredibly good. I actually backed Gustavus Weston next time out off the back of that, and he franked the form. Her only blip on her dance card is when they tried her out in the group one at Royal Ascot. Six furlongs on heavy ground. Proved her undoing, but I mean, she's running an amazing race. I mean, she's only beaten seven lengths, six of the 15, you know, in the context of probably what her skill set is and what she did on the day. That was probably close to something like her very best under those conditions that day. 
she loves the cover. Um, and she, like I say, she's got a great cruising speed, turn of foot. She won't mind the ground whichever, whichever way. She's been saved just specifically for the race. Comes there fresh. She's got a good draw right in the middle of the pack. She's right behind Winter Power. She's drawn in four. She's drawn in still six, Minister. Um, yeah, I'm all over her each way. I can't, can't envisage her not running a massive race come Sunday. One firm's already gone four places, William Hill, but they are shortest price on Minister at the moment at nine to one. You can get 11 to one with Paddy's uh, sports, Betfair Sportsbook and Unibet as it stands, all three places at the moment. I'm sure that will change in the coming days. Uh, Tony, how are you seeing this? I'm going to reach a similar conclusion to Andy, but I'll put a bit of flesh on the, maybe some of the other ones as well. Um, there's not a massive negative with uh, Winter Power, though. I think there's a possibility that it's a York horse. Although the next couple in the market, I'd be very keen to take them on. Um, last Slippers won this last year. Um, compared to this year's run, and they're, they're not in the same class at all. She beat um, a couple of horses that, that would be sent off 33s and 40s for this race. And that's what they've been sent off for the King of King stands and the, the non tops this year. She's a kind of a false price because she's coming back um, and it's the same race over again, would be my mm. understanding. But I know she's run well at Goodwood. But um, Suez is a run over, really. Um, and I think the sprint division this season just looks that much hotter. So I, I'd be quite keen to take her on. I think she, she's a fairly bad price. Um, then you've got Dragon Symbol. I would say there's a fair chance he's going to go over the top now in the next start or two. And hopefully it'll be Sunday. I also think he's a bit of a six horse. I think he was very hard work with York. He travelled okay at Goodwood over this trip, but at York it looked hard work. So I would say he just maybe he's had a very, very busy campaign. Um, Rohan's another one there that it looks, uh, you know, uh, Tip would be a little bit sharp from Munista would be my main one too. Um, she, you know, I think Andy's explained it very well. I think she is a little bit under the radar there. Um, her run in the Commonwealth Cup, uh, you know, you're saying, oh God, she's six, she's beaten nearly the guts of eight lengths. But the Commonwealth Cup is a funny race because it's the only Group One three-year-old only sprint, and horses that are kind of five four-long horses like her and Suiza and maybe the odd seven four-long horse, connections kind of feel obliged to run it even if they're not really suited to be six furlongs. And I think that's what happened with her. And I thought she powered through it and just didn't see it out. Um, and we saw a totally different horse back at the corner the last day. Very good time, as, as Andy has alluded to. And I think the race is going to set up for I think she will um, should be involved, hopefully, and she'll be my main pick in the race. But the other one I'd throw into the mix is the horse to finish toward the last day, um, Romantic Proposal. Now, she's been beaten quite a bit, but she could absolutely no run. Christy Hayes just probably did the right thing he was following the favorite in logo hunter up the far side and, and just got into a little bit of bother and you know by the time he sort of had switched more towards the central track the race was over um we don't know is she good enough and her official rating of 104 says she probably isn't good enough but i think she's a lot better than that actually this year i think she's improved a hell of a lot um and she's another one where the pace will suit her because she's going to be held up and I would also say that, you know, the, the current the track here at the weekend on the sprint track is going to be opened out to its full width. I would be expecting a draw bias here to, to play out. Um, I know they're putting the stalls in the, in the centre of the track, but I would expect to get up the stands rail is going to be fairly important here. And she's 13 of 13. She will need luck, but I, I'd be quite happy to take my chance. I think she's there 16 or 18 to 1. So, yeah, mm. Munista and, and Romantic Proposal for me. I, I know in some ways it is madness to suggest backing an Irish horse in an Irish sprint because the English just come over and, and, and win. I, 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 like that. 
I, this is the definition of ins- insanity for me because I'm, I'm doing this all my life. But um, <laughs> I, I do feel that this year, Munista ha- has it on the clock and it's a little bit hidden and Romantic Proposal has the potential with a trainer who actually has probably been the best trainer of Irish sprinters over the last decade. So yeah, those two will do me. Uh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more just very quickly on, on Tony's assessment of Romantic Proposal. She's got the kind of cruising speed that you need for a race like this. The Actually, the only thing that put me off of mentioning her and putting her up was the stalls are in the centre. And if they do go down the middle, then stall 13 definitely becomes an issue. Um, I think Tony's putting a lot of store in the fact that he, well, he's hoping they come across towards the stand side. If they do, obviously stall 13, he's absolutely where you want to be. And loads of covering in behind the rail. You could see her just cruising in behind the speed. But if they do go down the middle, she could therefore just be left on the yeah. flank a little bit with no cover. So a lot depends on what happens probably early on in the day. And we've got two races to, to view it and, and get a feel for it. So, um, But she's definitely one worth considering if, uh, if there is a bit of a shift in, in, in um, where, the, where the jockeys decide to race. Yeah, romantic proposal there. 18 to 1, <clears throat> getting a positive mention from both, as does Muniesta, 11 to 1, as I mentioned with those firms, uh, Paddy's Sportsbook and Unibet. Uh, on then to the Moiglare, the uh, the Phillies Group One two-year-old race, where Cared uh, go Deo. Can tell I've never said that before. Uh, Eleven to four. <laughs> Homeless songs three to one. Uh, Agatha is um, hundred to thirty. Seventeen to two. Both discoveries and sunset. Shiraz ten to one. Prettiest sixteen to one. Concert hall. And then the outsider of the eight, uh, missing matron sixty-six to one. I don't want to sound like a you know, but again, dead eight runners here, Andy. So I'm getting excited again. Um, over to you for for this one. Um, yeah, I'm just surprised that the, the, the betting there. When when you you came to this race, I, I immediately I, I expected you to say Homeless Songs as, as as a relatively short price favourite, and and she's chalked up at three to one. Um, I think collectively that's probably the best maiden of filly she beat um, when she won at Leopardstown um, back in July. Quite clear that you know, being a Moigler owned horse, she's been saved specifically for this. That uh, doesn't take a genius to work that out. But the turn of foot that she showed that day to run down Agartha, who's subsequently gone on to boost the form mm. in no uncertain times, two or three times over, was quite astonishing. I mean, she was probably the, the guts of five to six lengths behind Joseph O'Brien's filly turning for home. And unless my stopwatch is broken, um, she did the fastest come home time from three out that day by quite con- some considerable margin. Now, it was a relatively slowly run race, so she's probably going to have to prove herself to show that kind of level ability on a proper end-to-end gallop and not just rely on a turn of foot. But on pure ability alone and what we saw that day, she looks a filly right at the top draw. Um, now, those frankles could go either way. They, they, they Obviously, they can be a little bit hot, a bit temperamental. One run to the next, will she, um, you know, improve the way we think she will, or, or will she kind of like get a little bit um, hot-headed on the way down at the start? I think she's, she could go one way or the other, but um, I don't think there's a better quality filly in this race that I've seen anyway so far this season, and um, she's got a nice draw as well in store one. So obviously they, they have that little kink in the rail to race around that inside and, and save a bit of ground and get a bit of cover. I think is important. Uh, but I don't know what Tony thinks, but look, she, she's the best filly I've seen so far this season over in Ireland in and around that trip. Three to one homeless songs with Paddy's and Betfair Sportsbook and Sporting Index. Tony, what do you make of homeless songs? 
100% agree. She, she was by far the most impressive maiden winner of the year like that. that I know she was the fastest last three furlongs on the card that evening. I, I have a couple of worries with her. I just would have preferred to see her have a run between now and then. Uh, 66 days off. I just don't love that. Um, and Agartha has kind of just kicked on since that. So we, we kind of respect that. And also, uh, just about Dermot Weld, for all that he has the, had the backing of my layer for, throughout his career, he hasn't won this race since 1987. And he's only had three runners in it since 2008. So I just find that a little bit strange. You'd think he would have horses for this race, but typically doesn't. Um, but would agree that she was massively impressive. I suppose if you're looking for the the, the solid each way bet, it probably is the horse that won the trial, um, Agartha. She, she just seems to do everything right. Um, she she took a hell of a long time to win, but while it's Joseph the trains or she has the sort of hallmarks of a kind of an Aidan O'Brien filly that took a long time to get off the mark, but it, mm. but it's just it's just thriving now and, and going from strength to strength. So you probably might see an even better version of her at the weekend. Um, but it wouldn't be a strong opinion because I was so impressed with homeless songs. I was really impressed with Charlie Joe um, also in in her win over course and distance. I, I just don't have a, don't have a strong opinion on it. Maybe the market will make up my mind and one of them will drift to a big price on Sunday, but not at the moment. Not at the moment there for Tony, perspective, certainly for Homeless Songs and for Agata, uh, 3 to 130 per pair. Uh, on then to the 405, the penultimate race we're going to be previewing here, um, the Gulf Vincent O'Brien National Stakes, over seven furlongs, another two-year-old race, and Point Lonsdale is unsurprisingly the very, very short price favourite, four to seven best price at the moment with William Hill, four to nine elsewhere, uh, Native Trail, nine to two, Ebro River, seven to one. Duke of the uh, sorry Duke de Sessa, uh ten to one thirty three to one bar seven runners here heartbreak uh, Tony stick with you here <laughs> uh, point Lonsdale hard to hard to uh, pick any fault really isn't there yeah I'm going to take him on here um, I just think he's a little bit short I think seven furlongs um, on what's going to be good good to firm ground is definitely on the sharp side for him he looks like he wants a, a mile maybe further again he's really strong at the finish I, I, I'm going to back down at Weldon this Duke de Sessa I, I think double figures about him is big um, funny enough he, he's not a man that likes to run horses in the national stakes either he, he very rarely runs mm. horses in this I'm actually going to take that as a positive because he had the option to run this horse in, in the in the group two on Saturday and he's as they say rolling the big dice here which to be quite honest isn't really his modus operandi with two-year-olds I think I actually was reading an interview with Dermot Weldon the Racing Post last Sunday he sounds like a sort of man that um, he'd prefer if racing didn't start to a four um, I think he just hates this sort of early speed and cheap speed type of stuff but this Duke de Sessa was the only horse he had entered in, the, in this race from a long way out I, I thought he was very unlucky in Galway just things didn't go his way. Broke a little bit slowly and was didn't really handle the bend, uh, and came home flying. That that was quite a good race there. And then he just he's improved so much to win in a really impressive time figure um, at at the at the current last year. Just cruised through the race. Just looked different last. And I think that's a big thing with him that he got an extra run into him. He's not coming into this just at the back of a maiden. And I'd be quite happy t- taking the, the ten to one about him. Native Trail. Very impressed with him on debut. Beat the horse that won the Acom um, really well. Not as impressed with him at, a, at the July meeting. Didn't improve as much. I think he may he may be another horse that wants um, a little bit further. And you could argue the horse that finished second probably should have beaten him that day. And Ebro River, um, I'd say he was quite a fortunate winner of the Phoenix Stakes. He got the rail. Um, and, and there's going to be a, a fair bias that day. I'm not sure he's going to improve for stepping up to seven either. 
So Duke de Sessa, the one there for Tony, 10 to 1 with Paddy's Betfair Sportsbook and Sporting Index. Uh, Andy, how you, how you judging this? Yeah, I've took me off the ball with regards what prices these horses um, have been chalked up in midweek. Um, it's, I've, I've just kind of like parachuted into the race now, um, as it were. Um, I, yeah, I'm quite surprised that Duke de Sessa's 10 to 1. I don't think I'll be anywhere near that on, on Sunday. No, obviously, no, Tony's... Uh, flagged it up. I'm, I'm sure um, one or two of the, the viewers will, will, get, will get involved with that. But he, he's a very smart horse, Duke Decessa. Um he, he was well flagged up for that Galway race, and, and as Tony said, he, he he was just all at sea really around Galway, as a lot of t- a lot of horses are. But he learned um, immeasurably from that first run, and he was a totally different model the next day when he came here. He, he went through the race like a good horse, quickened up smartly, uh, won in a good time. It wasn't a an, an extravagantly brilliant time, but it was a, it was a good it was a good number. It was an eighty five on our time figures, which is anything out of eighty five for a juvenile is good. But I mean, it wasn't as good as Point Lozdo, who we've got a direct comparison to on that day. He clocked a ninety time figure um, based on our numbers, and, and if you look at their split times well sectionals, it probably tells you how deceptive that Point Lonsdale is, because from three out, Point Lonsdale did thirty five eight. This is hand time, by the way. My hand time, um, they're not official. Um, and I've got um, Duke de Sessa running 37-2. So there's a 1.4 seconds difference from three out to the line in favour of Point Lonsdale. So mm. you look at him and you think, oh, he looks for all the world he's going to be a mile and a half, mile and a quarter horse next season. But he's got plenty of boot for a seven furlong horse. And it's interesting that he's, he's actually only raced over seven furlongs and not beyond. Whereas Duke de Sessa looks a bit like, almost like refused to bend it, who won this race for Durham, I think it was his last winner many years ago. He almost looks like he's a an Irish derby horse already, doesn't he? So I just think Point Lonsdale might just have too much boot for Duke de Sessa over seven, just based on the numbers, what they did here last time on the same day um, um, a few weeks back. Um, that's not to say that Duke de Sessa can't improve, and I think he's probably the bet without the favourite. I think if he's 10 to 1 in the all-in market, um, and he's going to be third favourite in the without the favourite market, I'd probably be more inclined to get involved in that project rather than take odds on or short price about Point Lonsdale because we have got a factory in Ebro River and Native Trail as well. But, um, yeah, I think their, their, their course, course form is, is going to be uh, quite, a, quite worth quite a lot in, in the final analysis. I, I think um, it, it, that, that's definitely the bet, Duke de Sasser without the favourite for me. And our friends, after yesterday, our friends at Novi Bet have come up with it without the without the favourite market again first up. And they've gone Duke Decessa thir- 13 to 4. So just, you know, a bit bigger than uh, than threes. Yeah, yeah, that's what, yeah. 7 to 2, thought, yeah, that's, yeah. that's bang on, yeah. That's a decent shout. So there you go. Duke Decessa keeping on, on that market without Point Lonsdale. Duke Decessa, the way to go for both. Definitely the value, at least, for both Andy and for Tony. Uh, the final race we're going to be covering here, the 440, is the... Irish St. Ledger. <clears throat> and we've got Twilight Payment is the three to one favourite ahead of uh, Sunny Boy Liston, nine to two. Uh, Baron Sam- Samadhi is five to one. Search for a song, six to one. Master of Reality, 10 to one. Emperor of the Sun, 12 to one. Passion, 12 to one. 18 to one bar. 14 run at the moment, Andy. Give you first run here for the Irish St. Ledger. Yeah, huge amount of respect for Twilight Payment. He's just one of those um, little terriers that just sticks his head down nine times out of ten and just gets the job done. And he was absolutely remorseless here last time out. Uh, once, once he got to the front, he just kept, you know, stoking the coal, you know, grinding out the fractions. And he saw a good field off with a bit to spare, I thought. 
he could have done with a slightly better draw. I know we're talking about a mile six race here, but still 13 or 14. He's an, he's an ideal. And, and the same can be said about Barry Samedi as well, who's gone and bagged still 14. It just makes life a little bit harder running out in the wing in the early part of the race, using up petrol, mm. having to ride a different kind of tactical race than you would ordinarily choose to do from an inside peg where you can sort of, um, you know, choose where you want to race. Um, but going back to that race at Twilight Payment 1, I, I made a huge, huge big note of Barrington Court, who went through the race like a, like a really good filly. Like she is a good filly, but the filly that we saw last year. Uh, and similar to um, Horst talked about early on, in, early on in the day, um, pretty gorgeous. She always strikes me as being a, a bit of an autumn filly that just wants a little bit of juice in the ground um, when the autumn leaves are falling. So the fact that she went to that race um, back in August off the back of a 100-day break, it was almost inevitable for me that she was going to take a heave. She, she, and you could almost see it visually happen from the two to the one. She's coming up to, towards, you know, Twilight Payment and the other two. And then she just, you know, blew up. You could see her sort of not, not quite go on with her effort. But with that run under her belt uh, and with Jessie probably having this race on her mind from a long, long way out, because there's not that many races that you could really target a seven-year-old mare at, at this mm. kind of level. I would think she's probably been trained specifically for the the, the Irish set major. That obviously been a trial last time out. Um, and yeah, like I say, if it, if it rains between now and, and Sunday, that would definitely enhance a chance. And what twelve to one we're looking at? Don't want to get eighteen to one. Barrington Court best price. God Almighty, that is a that's a mythical price. That is that <laughs> that's almost the almost the standout price of the weekend for me. That eighteen to one. I think she's that's... way way better than that. That's almost uh, turn off Skype, hang up the call, quit the podcast, get in the car, drive to Paddy's, get your bet on, drive back. Yeah, that's and then almost like, on. you know, hit the <laughs> forehead on my hand kind of price that. Right, you've got about an hour of, of editing time, Andy, to get on, so you should be okay. Uh, Barrington Court 18 to 1 with Paddy Power and Betfair Sportsbook 16 to 1 with Unibet as well um, of those firms who are up at the moment. Uh, Tony, what are your thoughts on the on the Irish St. Ledger? Yeah, really difficult race. Definitely couldn't put you off that mare that, that Andy's on, but she ties in with a good a good filly from last year. Um, Tony Mullins' horse, Princess Zoe. If it was pushed, I'd probably lean towards Sonny by listen. Uh, I think he's still quite on top with this trip. He's only had a, a, you know, I'd say he's only really had one proper go at it, and that was in the Ebor that last time, which obviously he won. The, his run in York prior to that was just a, a little bit of a slowly run race, which didn't suit. And there is a bit of, you know, decent sized field here with 14 runners. There should be a bit of pace. I always think the cheek pieces are quite important on him. Johnny Mortis held them back until this part of the year. They went down in York the last time, got the job done. And you can see why he needs them. Jesus, he's, he's not the easiest ride um, because I think he idles when he hits the front. But I, I would lean towards him. But no, I, I think this is quite a difficult race. And there's plenty of other ones you could be given a chance to also. Sonny Boy Liston there mentioned by Tony. Uh, nine to two with William Hill and Betfred. Uh, but no strong view in what looks like a very, very difficult race to solve. Certainly that 18 to one from Barrington Court. No doubts there from Andy about that being the value play in the race. There we go. We've done it. A whistle stop. Very, very um, impressed with you guys to get all of that knowledge out in, in about an hour, uh, both uh, Saturday at Leopardstown and then Sunday at the Curry. Irish Champions Weekend promises to be an absolute cracker. What a weekend of racing we've got. Uh, Andy and I sat down together yesterday and went through the the, Donca the Doncaster card on Saturday as well. So if you are watching or listening to this before um, Saturday afternoon and you want to find out what Andy makes of, of that day's racing, do go and check it out now. 
subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can get all of these previews uh, up there first. You can find these podcasts on any podcast platform as well. Do check out both Tony and Andy's stuff on social media and online. Plenty of tipping stuff up there. Uh, all their thoughts, well worth reading for any racing fan. And do, of course, download the Odds Checker app too. The best prices, best bookie offers, place terms, free bets, and everything else up on the app. Hopefully enough there to provide some winners. Uh, fingers crossed you enjoy the racing. Most importantly, please make sure you are gambling responsibly, but enjoy what promises to be a cracking weekend's racing. <laughs>